Welcome to the Harmony Christian Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's message from Pastor Josh Shoemaker. Amen. Pastor Ron last week began a series on spiritual warfare. Uh, he was planning his message and he came up, he, I, I, was, I walked up while he was studying and he goes, yeah, I think this is where I'm going. And he said, why don't you go there next week too, the week after? Why, why don't you go there? And I said, all right, I'll do that. I'm going to have to do some studying, but we'll go there. Yeah, we'll, we'll continue spiritual warfare. So, so we're going to talk about spiritual warfare this morning. Uh, next week, Pastor Ron's going to come back and uh, he did this to me, so I'm going to do it to him. He's going to talk about spiritual warfare <laughs> next Sunday, whether he wants to or not. And uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, but no, it's, it's an important topic to talk about. Um, and honestly, it's a topic that I think uh, really people fall into, into two categories. Either it's overemphasized or people don't have anything to do with it, right? It's either, it's either blown, uh, uh, it becomes your entire Christian life is spiritual warfare or you just kind of do away with it. So there's, there's people, like I said, on, on both sides, you have, you have the side that spends their whole Christian walk dealing with spiritual warfare. They spend more time commanding the devil than they do communing with the father. You know, people like that who, who they're more, their prayer is more talking to the devil than it is talking to the father. And, uh, and you know, I, I think that's an imbalance. Um, you know, for, for a lot of these people, there's a demon around every corner, right? Everything's a demon, right? Some people, I'm unhealthy, I'm overweight because a demon has attacked me. <laughs> My dad said, amen. <laughs> amen. Amen. He needs an excuse, yeah. He totally just knocked me off track there with that. That's awesome. No, that, you know, it, it's a demon's fault that I'm unhealthy. Well, maybe, maybe, dad, you're unhealthy. <laughs> I'm going to tell him my dad since he spoke up here. We would go to get food sometimes, you know, out at fast food or different things. And uh, we'd order a, a meal. And uh, don't you dare. <laughs> Mom doesn't know this. So this is some revelation. We'd be going through the drive-thru and we'd be ordering food and I'd hear dad order an extra sandwich. I'm like, what's that for? He said, it's on the, for on the way home. Don't tell your mom. <laughs> I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing that is probably not a demon <laughs> that's causing that. Or maybe my finances are all messed up and it's, it's the demon of poverty. Maybe it's because we don't know how to spend our money right. You know what I mean? So there's the people that think there's a demon around every corner, right? And sometimes it's not a demon. Sometimes it's our own stupidity, right? Sometimes it's our own fault. We're not doing what we're supposed to be doing and we reap what we sow, right? But there is a reality of spiritual warfare as well that we can't ignore. The Bible tells us that there is battles that aren't dealt with flesh and blood, but are spiritual. And we can't ignore that truth, right? That there is a reality 
of a spiritual war that is going on. And we need to pay attention to it. We need to have discernment for what enemy we are fighting, whether it's our own stupidity or whether or not there really is an enemy. Listen, the Bible tells us that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And we are to be wise as serpents and as innocent as doves and know and be able to discern what we are dealing with. People tend to shy away from spiritual warfare for many reasons. One, bad experiences. Y'all know those people, right? Y'all know those people who scream spiritual obscenities at the devil, right? You need to know those existed. They're real. Spiritual obscenities, right? Or they think you, 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 the reason you got pink eye was because you watched the Lord of the Rings the night before, right? That there's, there's everything is caused by, by this. And, and you, you've dealt with these people. And because of your bad experience, because of their misuse, of spiritual warfare, because of their misunderstanding and misrepresentation, you've had a bad experience, and so you've shied away from spiritual warfare. Another reason why some people shy away from spiritual warfare is because it feels mystical. It feels out there, right? Like it's just kind of weird, and people talk about spiritual warfare, and it just feels strange, it feels weird, and so you just would rather not deal with it because it just feels too mystical. Another reason why is it feels complicated or it's a hard subject to grasp. How do you deal with something that you can't see? How many people do we have in the room who are very, uh, uh, what's the word, literal kind of people? Like you're very, you're very uh, black and white, right? It's this issue of spiritual warfare can be difficult because there is an enemy that we cannot see that we're fighting with. The Bible says that, that our weapons are not carnal, right? That they're spiritual. And how do you fight a war that you can't see with weapons that aren't in your hand physically? And because of that, it feels complicated. It feels confusing. And so it's easier to just leave it to the ultra spiritual people, right? Let them deal with it. And I'm just going to stay in my practical box, right? So there's many reasons why, but here's the deal. You cannot shy away from something just because you've had a bad experience. You can't shy away from something that's true just because it feels out there or because you've, you maybe you can't completely understand it because if it's true and it's a part of our Christian experience, right? Then we should be able to learn how to engage in spiritual warfare. Amen. We should be able to learn how to engage in spiritual warfare. The reality is, is it may feel hard to grasp, but at its roots, spiritual warfare is very, very simple. It's very simple. And we'll see that here in this message today. If you open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Many of you know this passage. I'm only going to speak on verse 10. And uh, there's the whole Um, armor of God listed out in this passage. We're not going to get into all of that this week. I imagine uh, Pastor Ron might get into that next week. There's more more projection on you there, Pastor Ron. Um, But we're going to look here in Ephesians chapter 6, just starting here in verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. All right, let's read it again. This time, let's read it all together. Ready? Finally, my brethren, 
Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I ask you to do that for two reasons. One, helps you engage. Two, it makes me feel powerful that I just told you all to do something and you all did it. So it's cool. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Simple verse. Where does your strength come from? In the Lord. Is your strength in your knowledge of the Bible? No. Is your strength in your perfect attendance to church? No. Your strength is in the Lord and in the power of his might. Your strength comes from your union with the Lord. And from that flows his power, not your own. So what is the basis of spiritual warfare? What, when we get down to the very bottom nitty gritty, what is the basis of spiritual warfare? It's union. Union with the Father. John chapter 14 says, Jesus says, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And then he says this incredible statement. He says, and I am in you. That it's through our union with the Father that we engage in spiritual warfare. It's his power through his anointing, through his authority that we engage then in spiritual warfare. And you know what's amazing about that is Jesus operated in this exact same way. It says, I do, he said, I do nothing apart from my father. I, do, I say nothing and I do nothing apart from what he says and what he does. And it was through union that Jesus operated and, it was, and functioned in, a, in his spiritual authority. It was in union that he casted out the demons and they had to leave. It's in union that we operate is the basis of spiritual authority. Your success in spiritual warfare is directly connected to your identity as a son or daughter of God. Let me say that one more time. Your success in spiritual warfare is directly connected to your identity as a son or daughter of God. If you try to do spiritual warfare in your own strength, you're gonna end up looking pretty stupid. If you try to do spiritual warfare in your own strength, you end up looking like one of the seven sons of Sceva. Have you all ever read the story of the seven sons of Sceva? No? <laughs> I'm sure you have. You maybe just don't know the name. The seven sons of Sceva. Let's look at it here in Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. I'm going to start in verse 11. If you have your Bibles in hand this morning, give me a woot-woot. There we go. If you're looking at the screen, give me a woot-woot. Hear, hear all the backsliders in the room, all you Bible carriers. All right, Acts chapter 19, verse 11. This is the story of the seven sons of Sceva. It says, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the, sick, to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. 
Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists, let's take a moment and just listen to that. The itinerant Jewish exorcist, who picks being a Jewish exorcist as a job, right? <laughs> but some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus. Listen to that. These guys called on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exercise you by, the, by this Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did, also, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Not the words you want to hear when your job description is a Jewish exorcist. And the demon looks at you and says, I have no clue who you, I know these guys, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirits, and the man in whom the evil spirit was, leaped on them, overpowered them, prevailed against them, so that they fled out that house naked and wounded. Talk about a bad day at work. <laughs> I love how this next verse starts. They left the house naked and wounded. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. In other words, word spread quickly that these guys got their butts kicked and ran out of the house naked down the road, right? Word travels fast, apparently, in Ephesus. And uh, the word spread that this happened to these people. Gossip got out, as you can imagine. Can you imagine that happening in Fairmount? I imagine uh, some word would get out. <laughs> this became known and fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Paul, I know, Jesus, I know, but who are you? What's interesting about this passage is it says that these men tried to cast the demon out using the name of Jesus and they were unsuccessful. They watched Paul cast demons out in the name of Jesus. So they thought, Hey, I'm going to give this a shot. And they say, in the name of Jesus, we cast you out. And the demon laughs at him. Who are you? Who are you? Which tells us something. When the Bible tells us to pray in Jesus' name, he's not telling us to tag on this magical prepositional phrase at the end of our prayers and all of a sudden all of our dreams come true. In Jesus' name is not words that we use. It's a lifestyle that we live, that we are in Jesus. Why did the demons know who Paul was? Because when the demons looked at Paul, they saw another son of God. They saw another son of the father and he, because he is a son of the father, he was then able to carry the father's authority because he didn't just use Jesus as some magical word to get his way. He actually had a lifestyle where I live in you, Jesus, and you live in me. And we had this mutual indwelling, this mutual union. And because of that, I carry your authority so that when I tell a demon to leave, I'm not telling it 
it to leave on my own authority, but I'm telling it to leave based on your authority. And because I'm telling it to leave on your authority, the demon has no choice but to flee. And if we want to operate in spiritual warfare, if we want to have success in our spiritual warfare, then we cannot do it by just using the name of Jesus. We have to operate in union with Jesus. We have to be in union with Jesus. Amen. In Jesus name is not a prep, a magical prepositional phrase. It's a reality that we carry the authority of Jesus by living in him and he in us. In Jesus name means to actually be in union with him. And through that union, you carry his authority. No union, no authority. If you don't walk in union with the father, if you don't walk in relationship, if you don't walk in the reality that has been made available to us of I am in him and he is in me, then when you stand up and you begin to pray and fight the enemy in spiritual warfare, they're going to look right back at you and say, who are you? Who are you? It's through his authority and his authority alone. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. It reminds me of one of the, one of the most scary verses from, to me in all of the Bible is Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 21. When it says that many will stand before me on that day. And they'll say, Jesus, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we pray for the sick and see them healed? Didn't we do all of these wonderful things? And the Bible says that Jesus will look at you in that day and say, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, it says. It's an emphasis that all of the things we do, no matter how grandiose they may be, if it's not rooted in our union with him, if it's not rooted in our union with him, then it means absolutely nothing. The basis, the basis of spiritual warfare is our union with him. With, his, with our union with him, we carry his authority into the world. What kind of authority is that? What does this authority actually look like that Jesus has, that we get to operate in? as sons and daughters. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus has already died. He has already risen from the dead. He has already uh, made his appearances to different people and he's about to ascend into heaven. And it says that all of the disciples were gathered together and were talking with Jesus. And right before his ascension, he says this. It says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. How much authority? All authority. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Then he says this, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. So he tells them, 
all authority has been given to me. And then he says, now turn around and you go and use that authority that I have been given. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go and use the authority in the earth to make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, to cast out demons, right? So all this authority has been given to him. And then he tells us to go and to use that authority. What does that look like in the practicality? What does that look, what does Jesus's authority look like? It looks like Jesus walking in to the region of the gatherings. This is where it gets good, guys. He walks into the region of the gatherings and a man, a demoniac who had been in the cemetery cutting himself, who had broken off every chain of people trying to keep him captive, comes up to Jesus and Jesus looks at him and with a word, he tells the demons to leave and they leave. What does authority look like? What does spiritual authority look like? It looks like the centurion servant. Centurion, I'm saying that wrong, but you know what I'm talking about. The Roman servant being healed with a word from his lips. What does this authority look like? It looks like blind Bartimaeus on the side of the road, blind his whole life, sitting on the side of the road and hears the commotion and hears that Jesus is walking by and he yells out, Jesus, son of God, have mercy on me. And Jesus tells him to stand up and he looks at him and he tells him that his eyes are healed, not with some magical dance, not with some uh, pouring all this oil on his head, but with a word. Jesus says, your eyes are healed. And a man who is blind from birth opens his eyes and for the very first time sees everything around him. What does this authority look like that Jesus has? It looks like a man who dies and is dead for four days. And Jesus walks up to the tomb and tells the people to roll away the stone. Everybody's looking at him. Jesus, it's not a good idea to roll the stone away. This man stinks, right? He's been dead for four days. Why would we roll the stone away? He says, roll the stone away. And then with a word from his mouth, he says, Lazarus, come forth. And with the authority that he was represented, that he was representing the father with, he says to the dead man to rise. And what happens? The man walks out in his grave clothes, completely alive. What does all authority in heaven and earth look like? With a word, with a word, with a word, Jesus, it says in the, in the very beginning in Genesis chapter one, it says with his words, he spoke the world into being. What does all authority look like? What does all authority look like? Church, you are more powerful than you realize. There is more in us than we realize. Because through our union with the Father, this authority comes not as a merit or a reward for our good doing, our good behavior. It comes not as a reward for, for uh, uh, acting right and living right. Our authority comes as an inheritance, as a son and a daughter. All authority has been given to him. 
And he then says, now go <laughs> and use that authority in this earth. Mm. You know, there's been lots of books over the years written on spiritual warfare. Some are incredible. Some not so incredible. All of them, some of them have different strategies and different things that you have to do and almost, almost ritualistic kind of things that you have to do to engage in spiritual warfare. But if you look at the person of Jesus, it was not complicated. It was not some big show. It was authority. And when you have authority, you don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to do some magical dance or entertain in some way. When you have authority, you can speak a word. And the demons have to leave. Thank you, Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to end with this passage here. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. I want you to see this. says, this is Paul writing to the church of Ephesus. He says, therefore, wait, actually, wrong Bible. Let me, I'm going to read it in the New Living. Not the wrong Bible. They're all, I mean, it's a good Bible too, but. Does anybody know where Ephesians is in the Bible? There it is. Okay. Ephesians chapter one and verse 15 says, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere. I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly asking God, the glorious father of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Here we go. I pray your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people, which are rich, are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. Let me say that one more time. You ready? I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world that is to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the, for the church or for the benefit of the church, and the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Where is God's throne? Above all principality, might, and power, and dominion, right? Over every ruler of this age and the age that is to come. Now let's look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. But God is rich, is so rich in mercy... That he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, 
He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead. Let me say it again. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. And what did he do? Seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Where's God's throne? Above all principality, power, mights, and dominion. His authority exceeds even the highest thrones on this earth and in the, in the age that is to come. And then Ephesians 2 turns around and tells us that we were raised with him and seated with him in the heavenly realms. Church, we may be in a fight. We may have to engage in spiritual warfare, but let me tell you something. We do it from a seated position. We don't do it from a place of anxiousness. We don't do it from a place of turmoil. We don't do it from a place of striving for every inch and every piece of ground. We do it from a place of seated authority with Christ in the heavenly places. This is what spiritual warfare looks like. This fight is rigged, ladies and gentlemen. This fight is rigged. All authority has been given to him. And as we walk with him in this authority, we walk, as we walk with him in him, then we can walk in his authority. We may be in a fight, but we are fighted, fighting from a seated position. We fright, <laughs> I cannot talk. We, fi we fight from a place of joy from a place of peace and from a place of victory. This is the fight that we're in. It's not a place of struggle. It's not a place of strife. It's a place of victory. Christ in you. Pastor Ron quotes this all the time. I love this. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We fight from a seated position. Thank you, Jesus. I'll end with this last thought right here. I believe that our greatest battle in spiritual warfare is not necessarily against principalities, powers, mights, and dominions. I think our greatest battle in spiritual warfare is coming into the place of understanding who we are in Christ. It's not the demon that we struggle with. It's our own mind. It's our own revelation of understanding who we are in Christ. And it's walking out that authority. And I believe our, that, that is our greatest struggle in spiritual warfare. And, and not just in spiritual warfare. I believe it's one of our greatest struggles on this earth is getting through, getting, getting past our own knowledge of who we are and our own failures and be able to walk in the person of Jesus Christ and who he has created us to be. Thank you, Jesus. So Father, I pray this morning. I pray that you would help us. I pray that you would help us get the revelation of who we are in you, Jesus. God, that we would begin walking in the authority that we have as your sons and daughters. That we'd begin walking in the revelation that I am in you and you are in me. 
God, that we'd walk in the revelation of Ephesians 1 and 2, that we are seated with you in heavenly places, above all principalities, powers, mights, and dominions. And Father, that we would begin waging war not with anxiousness, that we would begin waging war not with, with uh, turmoil and not even with, with, uh, with self-effort, Father, but we'd begin waging war from our seated position in heavenly places, that we'd begin waging the war with peace, with joy, and with rest, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, there are many things we can learn about spiritual warfare, but until we are settled in our union with him, whatever else we learn will be powerless because our might and our power as Ephesians chapter six, verse 10 tells us, our might and our power is in him. It's in him. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you. Jesus, we just want to take a moment and honor you. God, that you would just be mindful of us. It's just mind-blowing, Jesus. Father, we are so humbled. We are so humbled. God, that a people who have fallen and who have sinned and who have turned their backs on you over and over again, that you would be so gracious and so merciful to us. God, I pray once again, Jesus, that this company of people would begin operating and walking in their identity and who they are, Jesus. It wouldn't be a Sunday if I didn't quote this scripture. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God, let us begin walking as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let us begin walking in the revelation of who we are, Father. And that through our union with you, when we engage in spiritual warfare, God, we engage from a seated position of authority. God, we love you this morning. We thank you for your word. We bless you today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more messages like this or information about our church, please visit harmonychurchfamily.org.